836, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. If you follow me on Twitter, it's Jeff. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Just tweeted out a sign, a picture of a sign that I will describe to you, but we will be talking about in just a couple minutes as part of our three big things. It is causing a lot of controversy up in Kewaskum, of all places. We'll discuss. But we start off today's program like we start off every program. Again, three big things, things that I think you need to know about, not necessarily the biggest stories in the world, but stories that I think are interesting and things to discuss at the water cooler or at the gym or at the lunch table or with your spouse. Story number one, Hillary Clinton's book drops today. Um, It's called What Happened? And she's out doing interviews in connection with the, the book. And yesterday afternoon, she apparently sat down with USA Today and started giving some more insight as to how she, what reasons she thinks it was, why it was that she lost the the election. And now, in Hillary's sort of defense, she she blames herself for a couple things. Not really bad decisions, but just she, she did some things, in her opinion, that well, just maybe allowed all her evil opponents to criticize her. She says, for example, that those those speeches that she was paid, you know, an enormous amount of money for that she gave to Goldman Sachs. She says, well, I, there wasn't anything wrong with that, but but I agree that it was perhaps you know bad optics of that. She acknowledges um, that well, maybe she used a little bit of inartful rhetoric when she talked about how she was essentially going to close down the coal industry. Can you imagine? I used a little bit of inartful rhetoric, and that caused people like coal miners in West Virginia to become a little bit concerned. I I should have chosen my words a little bit more carefully. And then she does acknowledge that it was a boneheaded mistake that she decided to use a private email server as Secretary of State. But she says, I didn't do anything wrong. But I acknowledge this created bad optics. In other words, I, I made this decision and I allowed people to criticize me for it. And, and maybe, maybe those were bad optics. Okay, so that that's her assessing blame. But that's in her mind. That's not why she lost the election. She lost the election because there were all sorts of people who were out there in one way, shape, or form conspiring against her. She blames. Now, this is not new. She blames James Comey, the FBI director. She says that Comey shivved her. Um, she says his announcement. Now, she, she's not unhappy with James Comey when he came out and he made this initial statement a couple months before the election where he decided this was the FBI director to play judge and jury saying, well, you know, we've investigated this and there's no there's no criminal evidence at all. No charges. So she she's, was happy with that. She's unhappy with 11 days before the election when he came out and said, well, we've got some new evidence, so we're looking at this again. She considers that to be a dominant factor. She says James Comey um, shivved her and that that cost her last-minute momentum in the election and that she believes that that's one of the reasons why she lost Michigan and Wisconsin. On top of that, and this is the newest thing, she now also says that she is convinced that it was collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians that helped cost her the election. Here's certainly here's what she says. Um, there certainly was communication, and there certainly was an understanding of some sort that would be between the Trump campaign and the Russians, because there's no doubt in my mind that Russian President Vladimir Putin wanted me to lose and wanted Trump to win. And there's no doubt in my mind that there are a large 
tangle of fina- there there is there's no doubt in my mind that there are a tangle of financial relationships between Trump and his organization and operation with Russian money and there's no doubt in my mind that the Trump campaign and other associates have worked really hard to hide their connections with the Russians so they say do you believe that there was collusion by Trump associates I'm convinced of this. Uh, I happen to believe in the rule of law and believe in evidence, so I'm not going to go off and make all kinds of outrageous claims. But if you look at what we've learned since the election, it's pretty troubling. So in other words, I mean, Hillary Clinton says, well, okay, I did a couple things that created some bad optics, but, you know, it was James Comey and it was the Russians that were there. And it was and it's interesting that she goes on. She goes on to blame Bernie Sanders because he attacked me in the Democratic primary, um, uh, the Russians for meddling, the mainstream media for shallow and sensation-driven coverage, and FBI Director James Comey. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is It's all well and good. And I guess losing an election, especially an election that you thought in your heart and soul that you were going to win, I, I understand that that's got to be tough. But this notion that, well, it was the Russians, it was Comey, it was the mainstream media, um, it was Bernie Sanders, those are the things that cost me the election. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. And if that's what this book is all about, well, I, I don't think you need to spend the twenty nine ninety five or whatever it costs. The reason Hillary Clinton lost the election is plain. It is simple. It's not the Russians. It wasn't Bernie Sanders. It wasn't James Comey. In my opinion, it is simply that the general public was not that into her. The public didn't like her, and they responded accordingly. So 414-799-1620, this is big story number one. The Hillary Clinton Brooks drops today. She's blaming all sorts of people. Why do you think, now that we have, you know, going on uh, going on a year, to look back at what happened in November, what, why was it that she lost? I continue to believe she was just a stone-cold, lousy candidate. And if she had been just an eve, a slightly better candidate, it wouldn't have mattered what James Comey did. It wouldn't have mattered about Vladimir Putin. It wouldn't matter about the mainstream media and its sensation-driven coverage. And there is this kind of irony to Hillary Clinton complaining about the way the mainstream media covered things. She had been a slightly better candidate, just a slightly better candidate. There would have been a different result. But in my opinion, she was a lousy candidate. And if you want to know what happened... All you have to do is she, every morning, can wake up, walk into her bathroom, look in the mirror, and that's the answer. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 843. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 846. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We let you experience Wisconsin's finest supper clubs at half price. This week, our featured supper club is Katarina's Restaurante in Milwaukee. It's a great place. It's family-owned for over 30 years. Katarina's features original Italian recipes made fresh to order and includes entrees from pasta to seafood, veal to steak. This Friday at 12 noon, you can get a $50 certificate for only 25 bucks. These go quickly. We only have 50 that are available. Get yours this Friday starting at noon by heading to WTMJSupperClub.com. All right. 
Hillary Clinton's book drops today. It's called What Happened. Um, in general, the, she gives an interview yesterday saying, well, really, I think it was the Russians. I, I think the Trump campaign colluded with the Russians. That did me in. I blame James Comey. He shivved me. That's her phrase. Um, I think she needs to look in a mirror. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Rebecca in Racine. Rebecca, good morning. Good morning. What do you think? Well, I think that um, you're absolutely right. I think that she, that first of all, this is her character right here, this whole book. I mean, for, she's obviously cashing in on a situation, which is great. I mean, whatever. She's writing a book based on what just happened. She's going to make some money, and that's, that's what she's doing. But the, the other thing is, is that if this is all true and she actually believes this, that that is actually just proving the type of character that she would have had. And I'm so glad that she's not in the office because I don't want someone in the office that would blame somebody else for her loss, number well, one. And, of course, this is not out of character. I mean, if you oh, look no. at Hillary Clinton's entire career, you know, in public life, starting, you know, with, with when she emerged in the early 90s, th- this has been it. It's the vast right-wing conspiracy that was out to undermine her. This is just, in my opinion, it's the latest extension uh, of that. But now, you know, you put a face to James Comey or it's the Russians or whatever. People just aren't that into her. That's the simple thing, Rebecca. <laughs> Well, I agree. I mean, and I think that, um, you know, I, I think that, first of all, the, Ru- the Russian thing, I don't think that they were actually hiding it that well. I mean, I don't think that they were hiding it at all. I don't know why. That, that's just obviously her twisting words again. And then the, the final thing is that um, blaming the media thing is absolutely ludicrous to me. I mean, are you joking? Because if you look at, like, the first debates in early 2016, the, it was like uh, the Democratic d- debate versus the Republican debate. The Democratic debate was like a love affair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah you're, you're blaming them. I mean, think of – now, look, I, I will agree that I, I think Trump, when he was the, the flavor of the month, he got incredibly positive publicity during the Republican primary. But once oh, yeah. he became the nominee, that, that changed. I mean, I'm not sure I ever – saw a presidential campaign covered with as much animosity towards Trump. You're right, and Hillary, I think when she blames the mainstream media, she says, well, you know, they, they, gave, they gave James Comey's atten- statement so much attention. But, okay, when he cleared her initially, she wasn't complaining. Hey, thanks for the call, Rebecca. 414-799-1620. Jim in Wauwatosa. Jim, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Uh, yeah, you mentioned those missteps, and uh, I'm not surprised at her narrative, but... Uh, one thing you didn't mention was the fact that she really insulted all these Trump supporters, and I think independents, when she called Trump supporters deplorable. Mm-hmm. Because there were a number of people on the fence, you know, during that election, and I think it might have even, you know, all these series missteps that you mentioned, and then the fact that she called Trump supporters deplorables, you know, that did it for me. And uh, that that's one of the reasons why I voted for Trump. Plus, that he was kind of an anti-establishment, yeah. non-political guy that uh, that attracted me to him. He'd say what he felt, and you know, he would just uh, put his uh, put his emotions on his sleeve. Yeah, well, he was. An, I mean, th- thanks for calling him. He was an agent of change. And, I mean, and I was trying. I, I was telling the story yesterday. Last week, we had this this lady in from. Um, a Japanese newspaper, and, and one of the things, or we actually, we, we did a segment with her um, during the 10 o'clock hour last Thursday, and, and she, one of the things she kept asking me was, how was it that Trump won? What, what do you think happened? I said, well, it's, it, it's simple, and it, it ties into what you were just talking about, Jim. I said, first of all, people, I said, you, people did not like Hillary Clinton. She was unlikable. 
you know, people might agree with her policies, but she was unlikable. I had a lot of friends who were Democrats. I really do have a lot of friends who are Democrats who I'm sure they voted for her, but they didn't. There wasn't enthusiasm. There wasn't the oh, this is Barack Obama. We're going to run through walls to try to get him elected. This was well, it's, it's Hillary Clinton, okay, and we're Democrats and we're going to vote for her. But there wasn't that enthusiasm factor that that was there. And you know, she's never been likable. She's never been popular. And she treated this, I think, kind of like it was going to be a coronation. She couldn't understand. To your point, then, who who is these group? Who are these rednecks in Wisconsin? And in Michigan, who would rather vote for, like, this Donald Trump guy? Well, number one, people didn't like her. And number two, people were looking for a, a change. And that's the that's what Trump tapped into. So you had a lack of enthusiasm for Hillary Clinton. And you had this kind of backlash. And you had the people that were looking again for the change. You know, and the truth of the matter is, and, and I know some people disagree with me, but, you know, I believe that even with all the controversy involving Donald Trump, you could run that election today and the result would not be different. I I firmly believe that because Hillary Clinton was a deeply flawed candidate. And if you look at the different scandals and issues and things that the mainstream media um, reported about the Trump campaign compared to the issues with Hillary Clinton, it's not even close It's not even close. And this idea that, well, I think that there was Russian collusion or I think it was Comey. I mean, all right, any any campaign is going to have ups and downs. But she pretty much got, uh, again, a white glove treatment from the media. And now she's blaming that. I mean, really? Give me a break. Let's talk to John in Milwaukee. John, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Listen, I'm a progressive and how bad of a candidate do you have to be <laughs> to lose to, to Donald lose Trump? To Donald Trump. Yeah. I mean, he had he historically, I think, some of the worst numbers ever yep. of a guy going into his into his presidency. So it was just ridiculous. It comes down to one word, and that's integrity. Mm-hmm. The reason why we didn't vote for her, the reason why we disliked her, she had no integrity. Yep. You know, I, you know? I, I, my my late wife was a Democrat, and and she would have had she been alive, she would have voted, I think, for Hillary. But she didn't like Hillary. She couldn't. She yeah. thought Hillary was a liar. She couldn't stand Hillary. Now she would have probably voted for. Her. I, well, she wouldn't have voted for Trump. I know that. But I think there's a lot of people like her and like you, John, who just kind of said. All right, we we should be able to do better. And whether it was Bernie Absolutely. Sanders or somebody else, Joe Biden would have won one, the election. There's one other and thing, over. too, that I just wanted to say, Jeff, and I'll let you go, but it's this. You know, they they did an analysis of the ads that she ran while she was, while she was in the uh, general campaign, and less than 25% addressed issues. Right. It was all about, I'm not Donald Trump, vote for me. Less than 25%. And what progressive wanted to see was somebody to address the issues to stay issue oriented to talk about the things that matter to middle class people and she has no idea what the middle class is all about zero and could care less yeah no thank thanks to call and i think that i mean she i was trying to explain exactly the point you were making john when i was talking to this reporter from the japanese newspaper i said she was just she was just a horrible candidate and she was incredibly disliked she'd been on the stage for decades people had made up their mind about her she did not have the charisma of a bill clinton or a barack obama she didn't have the charm of a joe biden um no and and again i I understand that there's lots of ups and downs in this campaign but it's a 495 page book you can go out and pick it up It, it drops today but i think the the bottom line is when she says what happened 
Um, it was everybody else conspiring against her. It was the vast right-wing conspiracy reconstituted in the form of James Comey and others. Well, okay, get a mirror. All right, big thing number two is coming up. A Dairy Queen owner in Kawaskum finds himself the subject of national attention because of a sign. I tweeted out a copy of that. If you want to see the sign, I'll describe it to you. But if you want to see it, you can follow me at Twitter. It's uh, Jeff at Jeff Wagner 620 I tweeted out a copy of that just a couple minutes ago. It's 8.55. It's 909. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Coming up in about a half hour, if you are in Madison and you are waiting for your spouse to get done for shopping or you're waiting for your kid to come out from basketball or volleyball practice, I will warn you about something that they are now cracking down on. You're not going to believe this story, but we'll talk about that in a half hour. Right now, we are in the middle of our three big things. This is big story number two. It has gone national. There is Kiwaska, which is just a lovely town. Matter of fact, our We Love Wisconsin tour was up in a restaurant in Kiwaska, a supper club in Kiwaska uh, about a month or so ago. Kiwaska, very, very nice town. Um, there, There's a Dairy Queen in, in downtown Kiwaska. Right? Lots of Dairy Queens. The big dog who's producing the show today. Do you like Dairy Queens? Are you big, you're a Dairy Queen guy? Yeah. All right. I, 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 I like I mean, I'm kind of a custard guy, but I, I like Dairy Queens from time to time. In any event, there's a guy, He and these are franchises. So it's an in, the guy owns, he is the franchise owner. So it's not a corporate-run store in downtown Kiwaska. What happened is, about four years ago or so, um, somebody came into the Dairy Queen and complained that they were playing Christian music in, in the Dairy Queen. They, they complained to the owner. And the owner posted this sign. The sign has been up um, on the door for about uh, four years. Here's what the sign says. We have been known to say, Merry Christmas, Happy Easter, God bless America. We salute and honor the flag. We give thanks to our troops, police officers, and firefighters. We give thanks to the USA, and we give free Sundays to veterans on Veterans Day. Then in small, that's in big letters. And in smaller print, it says, if this offends you, you are welcome to contact the owner at kiwaskumdq at gmail.com and arrange a designated snowflake safe space a minimum 24 hours in advance. Okay? We have been known to say Merry Christmas, Happy Easter, God bless America. We salute and honor the flag. We give thanks to our troops, police officers, and firefighters. We give thanks to the USA. Give free Sundays to veterans on Veterans Day. If this offends you, you can contact the owner and arrange a designated snowflake safe space, a minimum 24 hours in advance. And then in big letters, it says, In God We Trust. Right? That sign has been on the door for the last four years. With, I think he said that they've had one or two complaints about it. Somebody apparently came in and complained about giving free Sundays to veterans on Veterans Day. Man, you want to talk about somebody that desperately needs a life. Well, okay, you might say to me, Jeff, why are we discussing this now? Because what happens is apparently a woman from the state of Oregon goes somehow, she lands in Kiwaskum and she goes into this Dairy Queen and she sees the sign and she becomes offended. So what she does 
is she goes to the National Dairy Queen site, you know, for the, the, the one that they maintain, not the local one, and she starts complaining. She posts a copy of the sign and says, I find this extremely offensive. Please speak with the franchise owner. So she is offended by this sign. Uh, Dairy Queen then puts out this statement. Here's what Dairy Queen says. This is the, the company, again, this is the major company. The guy's a franchisee. American Dairy Queen Corporation does not encourage our independently owned and operated franchisees to post non-business-related messages in their location or on their external reader boards. Um, this... This sign expresses the views of the independent owner only and does not speak for American Dairy Queen Corporation or any of our other independent franchise owners. Hmm. Let me stop there for a second. So the perspective of the company is we don't say Merry Christmas, Happy Easter, God bless America. You don't salute and honor the flag. You don't give thanks to the troops, police officers and firefighters. You don't give thanks for the USA. Hmm. All right. Anyhow. Um, the sign uh, is, speak, is only the view of the independent owner, does not speak for American Dairy Queen Corporation or any of our other independent franchise owners. We expect our franchisees and employees to treat every person who walks through our doors with the utmost dignity and respect. Nothing less is acceptable. Huh. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. One whiny lady from Oregon finds this sign offensive. The official Dairy Queen corporate response is, well, well, we, we don't encourage our franchisees to put stuff up on this. This does not express the view of our corporation. Um, we expect our franchisees and employees to treat every person who walks through the doors with the utmost respect and dignity. 414-799-1620. First of all, I see nothing wrong with the owner posting a sign like this. Secondly, I think the response of Dairy Queen Corporation nationally is nothing short of appalling. Instead of simply ignoring this squeaky wheel whining lady to respond by saying, well, you know, we we encourage our franchise to treat every person who walks through the door with the utmost dignity and respect. Okay, um, what about this sign indicates that you're not going to be treated with dignity and respect. Um, are you offended by the designated snowflake safe space? Well, okay, if you're bothered by Merry Christmas, Happy Easter, God bless America, giving thanks to the troops and giving thanks for the USA, you know what? You've got bigger problems than this particular sign. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. And again, if you want to see the sign and you're on Twitter, you can follow me. It's Jeff Wagner 620. I've tweeted out a copy of it. 917, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I think there's two takes on the story. First of all, you've got the whiny woman from the state of Oregon who is offended by this sign up on the Dairy Queen. So she complains. And then you've got the response, the namby-pamby response of Dairy Queen headquarters. Instead of simply, lady, go pound sand, or thanks for your complaint, or whatever, moving on, they decide to write her this hand-wringing response about how we're encouraging you know, our franchise owners to treat every person who walks through our doors with the utmost dignity and respect. Well, okay, snowflake alert, lady. Let's see. Heather in West Bend says, sounds like the corporate office is afraid of snowflakes. Yep. Way to go, Kiwaskum DQ. That's from Heather in West Bend. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Ken in Milwaukee. Ken, you're first. Good morning. Now, 
I think if that lady's offended, I'm offended by her comments. I'm a Vietnam veteran, and she doesn't like it, or maybe she should just move to North Korea where she doesn't have anything to say about anything. Well, right. Who can be – I mean, that's – I was wondering what was on this sign. And Okay, who who could be offended? Okay, they say Merry Christmas. They say Happy Easter. They say God bless America. They salute and honor the flag. And this is what makes this lady complain, and this is what gets the response from Dairy Queen? Give me a break. I, I just can't believe it. Maybe – she should just move out of the country. It'd be easier for her. Um, thanks for the call. Yep. Um, that, well, that's it, it's like this. Is, now, look, here's the other thing, too. All right. Th- this is my guess is this is partially tongue in cheek. OK, but if, but of course, you have to understand when you have the hate left that's out there, that there is there is no sense of humor at all. Oh, my gosh. They called me a snowflake. That's ter- I'm offended by this. They, they said a designated snowflake safe space. Obviously, first of all, th- th- this guy, I, I think he probably knows his, his audience. Um and of course, th- this is a business. Nobody says that you have to go in there. And I-, I guess, you know, maybe there's a handful of snowflakes out there that would be offended by this. But my guess is most people in Kiwaskum, first of all, number one, agree with the sentiment. But number two, um, recognize, even if they don't, that the guy is sort of making a little bit of a joke. But of course, nowadays, you, you can't do that. If you, oh my gosh, they called me a snowflake. They said we're going to have a designated safe space. Oh, I'm just, my, my, I, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, I can't go there. I'm going to be offended by this. Give me a break. 414-799-1620. Let's talk uh, to, let's see, uh, John in Eagle. John, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, John. I just want to say the business in Kewaskum is fantastic. I wish more businesses would do that. And as far as corporate goes, I think that's absolutely a shame. And this woman, your other gentleman said she should go to North Korea. She should. Why don't people publish her name like Kewaskum's Dairy Queen got published? And we can maybe contact her and tell her. Well, I guess I mean, I, a matter of fact, I, I I have made. As a matter of fact, John, I I have made the decision. Her her name is out there, um, and at least in one of the stories, it you know, it's at least the name that she posts by on Facebook. I, I made a conscious decision that I'm not going to mention it on the air. But but at the same time, it's like you know, really, because I'll tell you the truth. My guess is. That, you know, for every one of the people who's offended or, or whose feelings might be hurt by this, my guess is there's a lot of people, there's probably 10 or 20 or 30 who recognize what this guy is really saying and understand that it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek sort of thing. And my, my guess is this is not going to hurt his business one iota. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, Patrick in Elkhart Lake. Patrick, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I agree with your your recent callers. I'm saying this guy in Kiwaskum should be put on the top shelf, and more and more independent owners of businesses should exercise the same thing that this guy did. I'm a Vietnam veteran myself. Am I proud to be a Vietnam veteran? I don't know. It was a controversial war, but I served this country, and I'm telling you, this they can say all the negatives they want. That's all we ever hear is people like that lady. But this is a wonderful country. There's good people and there's bad people, but there's a lot of good ones. And you know, that lady, if she was anywhere else in some of these countries, she couldn't even express her mm-hmm. thoughts on this note that was put up 
on the Dairy Queen. Well, well right, it's, exactly. Shocked, you well, know. Well, and, and she's thanks. For, see what bothers me? She's offend, She's offended enough about this. I, and again, I think part of this is tongue in cheek. Except you have to understand, snowflakes don't like to be called snowflakes. They get very, very upset. You call a snowflake a snowflake, and it just, again, it drives them into their safe spaces. Oh, this is terrible. This is an example of the, the name calling and how awful that it's out there. But, of course, like a lot of people on the left can say pretty much whatever they want. But you call them a snowflake, and they just melt, and they get extremely unhappy about this. And, again, I, if, if you don't, it's on the front door. I mean, if you don't want to go in because the person has expressed their particular opinion, don't go in. If you don't want to shop at Penzi Spices because the guy that runs Penzi Spices is a left-wing nut job, in my opinion, fine, don't, don't do it. I mean, don't, don't do that. But, you know, you're, you're going to be offended by this? No, you just make your decision here. Um, let's see, I have a text. It's common for me to stop at that Dairy Queen when running errands. Next time I'm through, I'm going to stop and make sure the owner knows it's because of the sign. 414-799-1620 is the number. We're going to take a couple more calls on this. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 923. It's 926, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. And again, I think, I mean, I think part of this sign is, again, it's the message, but it's also kind of tongue-in-cheek. And um, to arrange a designated snowflake safe space, a minimum of 24 hours in advance, give us a call. And I understand that snowflakes, believe me, I, I hear this a lot, snowflakes don't like to be called snowflakes. Oh, how dare you say that I get easily offended? Well, okay, um, you know. Toughen up, Buttercup. Wagner's rule of life number one. Life is tough. You know, get a helmet. And if it bothers you being called a snowflake, well, okay, maybe you find a different Dairy Queen to go to. Just saying. Um, let's talk to Diane and Racine. Diane, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. I think Americans are just getting tired of people infringing on our freedom. Um, and we are free to make decisions, just like she is free to to um, patronize a different establishment if she doesn't agree with the owner's freedom to make a decision of how he chooses to run his restaurant. Right. What about? See, and, and I agree with you. I guess the other aspect of this that does bother me is is the Dairy Queen. You know, the corporate response. Well, you know, we encourage all our franchisees to you know treat every person who walks through our door with the utmost dignity and respect. Nothing else is acceptable. I mean, really. I mean, come on. Why don't you just say? Every once in a while, just because you've got a squeaky wheel doesn't mean you have to oil it. Sometimes you just let the squeaky wheel fall off and move on. Well, I don't understand how they're being disrespectful by saying Merry Christmas and things like that. That's not disrespectful. That's a way of life, and that's the way of most Americans' lives. Well, and my guess is, and plus, my guess is in Kewaskum, where you know where this guy runs his business, again, 95, 98% of the people that are walking through the door of that Dairy Queen agree with that sentiment. I mean, he's just right. reflecting his community mores. Now, this woman in Oregon, that might, maybe, you know, maybe in Portland it's different, but in Kewaskum, Wisconsin, I think most of the customers at this DQ probably share that thought. Exactly. No, thanks for the call. I, it just, it just, it's one of these frustrating things. Angeline in Milwaukee. Angeline, you're on 620 WTMJ. Yes, hi, good morning. Good morning. Uh, um, my only opinion on this is the, the lady is not being fair. You know, if it was a different restaurant, it could be Popeye's anybody. You know what I'm saying? Different people, different races walk into different businesses, walk into a business every day. The snowflake part is what caught me. Mm-hmm. Snowflakes are, might look like, but they are different. They are distinct. So it's, no two snowflakes are alike, huh? Yeah, 
That's right. So if she's not satisfied with this and being the snowflake, then we all are different people of different races. She should find a different place to go to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nobody's uh, go go find a different. Go find a different place to buy ice cream. My guess is there's a lot of them out there. Eric and Racine. Eric, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Okay, what's what's your take on this? Okay, uh, I look at it like this. One of the reasons that I think Trump is our president is because American people are sick and tired of listening to people like her. Okay, they want to change the culture in America, the way it, we grew up as. Mm-hmm. Well, and, everybody's uh, offended by stuff. Who who can be offended? She's offended enough about Mary, and she's probably mostly upset about being called a snowflake. But all right, get over it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if you're that sensitive in life, yeah, you need to uh, take a look at it and change it a little bit. There's a place in Kenosha that I that I go to a lot. And this place has a sign similar to that, except for the snowflakes in it. And one of the reasons I go there is because of the way he feels. Okay. I I don't mind somebody saying Merry Christmas to me. It's a wonderful thing. Okay. Right. No, exactly. No, thank I I get it. And see, and again, I think now, I don't know, you know, I imagine there are places probably in this country where you could go, like I say, maybe Portland, Oregon, maybe San Francisco, where if you put a sign like this up, it would, you know, hurt your business. Kewaskum, Wisconsin, thank goodness. I, I think most people, you know, have sentiment about this. And again, I think the snowflake thing, it's tongue in cheek. He's trying to be funny. And of course, like I say, snowflakes have no sense of humor when you call them snowflakes. Believe me, I, I hear that all the time. Oh, that's so offensive. It's just so terrible. Again, to which I referred you to Wagner's rule of life number one. Life is tough. Get a helmet. Don and Racine text me. I just emailed Corporate Dairy Queen. My disgust with them. Can't wait for the response. All right, coming up next, three big things. It's big thing number three. And then after that, after that, if you are driving in Madison, you better watch out. The idle police are after you. It's 936, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The hunt for Brew October. Just 18 games left in the season, and the crew is breathing down the necks of the Chicago Cubs for the division crown. Don't miss game two of their series with the Pirates this evening at Miller Park. Bob and Jeff begin our coverage at 6.05, sponsored by your Milwaukee Honda dealers. BD, who's producing the show today. I'm going to the game tonight. We're going to, we're, we're going to, and hopefully... Matter of fact, I got a couple emails from people who say we we go to one or two games a year, and last night was the game we chose to go to. It is when you look back on this season. If the Brewers don't make the playoffs, and my my guess is that you know they've got kind of an uphill battle, you're gonna you're you're, you're gonna look you're gonna look and say how did this team play so well against Los Angeles, and how did they play so well against Washington, and how did they go and sweep the Chicago Cubs in Chicago, and then you're gonna say they, they've lost, they, they can't beat the Pirates, who can't beat anybody else other than the Brewers. They lose four games in a row in Pittsburgh, lay an egg last night. It was an abysmal game. Go to Cincinnati, one of the worst teams in baseball, and lose three games in a row. And you're gonna go back and say, man, I mean, what if we could have just Okay, so they've lost at least five in a row to Pittsburgh. They've lost three in a row to Cincinnati just when the games mattered. You sit and they say, if they could have just split, if, if they could have just won th- three of those eight games, where would they be? Well, anyhow, uh, tonight is another night. I'm going to actually go to the game. Looking forward to that quite a bit. 
Um, okay, our, our text line continues to explode about the uh, whole Dairy Queen situation. Um, you know, it's just it's kind of like okay, we we've got you've got the 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 whole idea here is if you don't want to shop there. For example, Sydney Cindy writes, I live in Kewaskum and have gone to the DQ a few times. We actually signed our papers to purchase our house there. Anyway, that sign has been there for years, and no one in town has ever had a problem with it. Business is always business. Uh, busy. I enjoy seeing the sign. Yeah, this wasn't a controversy. Tell the whiny snowflake. Who doesn't like being called a snowflake in Oregon started complaining about it. Dairy Queen should have just said pound sand. All right, big story number three. I have always believed that the Republican Party has a much bigger tent than, than the Democratic Party does. And but I, what I mean by that is, I have always felt that um, there is more tolerance for opposing viewpoints on issues with Republicans than there are in Democrats. Um, Try finding a pro-life Democrat. They they just don't exist. If you are not pro-abortion, you you know, you're not going to be a Democratic candidate. I mean, I understand maybe you can find, you know, one, the outlier here or there, but but there aren't aren't pro-life candidates. And the idea is, well, if, if if you don't support... Uh, again, what's euphemistically caused to call it a woman's right to choose in pretty much any circumstance, you can't be a Democrat. Whereas you can find, you can find pro-choice Republicans. Um, that's just one example. But I mean, I, I could give you others. But I mean, I, I think in general, I've always found the Republican Party to have a bigger tent, to be less monolithic thinking. Now, that's changed a little bit over the years as the party has become, I think, in general, more conservative. But there's still more moderates in the Republican Party than you find in the Democratic Party. I I firmly believe that. And the Democratic Party is moving further and further to the left. And admittedly, the Republican Party moves further and further to the, the right. But still, I think it's a bigger tent. Donald Trump has changed the dynamic in many respects because even though he ran as a Republican, a lot of the views and a lot of the positions that Trump takes are not consistent with, I don't know, what what I would call mainstream Republican thinking. You saw this a week or so ago with the whole idea of the debt ceiling. I mean, the traditional Republican view is, look, we need to, you know, we, we need to rein in spending. And the idea of continuing to increase the credit limit on the credit card is a bad idea. Well, you had Donald Trump who wanted to make a deal, so he goes, and again, I understand some Democratic newspapers are applauding this, but he, quote-unquote, shows his, I, I don't know, maturation as a candidate, and he reaches across the aisle, and he says, okay, let, let's continue to spend and spend and spend money that we, we do not have. Let's raise the debt ceiling. Well, that's not consistent with... Uh, again, a lot of mainstream Republican thinking. Um, as a result of that, you you have now sort of a fracture in the Republican Party between the 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 I don't know if it's the Donald Trump wing of the party because I'm not sure exactly what that is versus more your traditional Republicans. At the same time, you've got a lot of Democrats who are now having 
what I would call Hillary Clinton remorse. They are realizing that by going with Hillary Clinton instead of, like, say, a, a Bernie Sanders or maybe finding the candidate that's Bernie Sanders 25 years younger, what, what you have is, you know, that would have been something to energize the, the younger people. And you see the parties becoming more and more polarized. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As somebody who, who follows the national news, and this is big story number three, more and more people are starting to talk about um, how, how Donald Trump, who is now he is clearing an opening for a third political party, maybe even a fourth political party, but especially a third political party that reflects the Trump kind of Republicanism as opposed to the mainstream sort of Republican Party that a lot of us grew up in. All right, 414-799-1620. Here is what I want to discuss with you, and I'll tell you where I come down on this in just a minute. Would you like to see a third party develop? Do you believe that the Democratic Party is presently constituted, uh, constituted, the Republican Party is currently constituted, really doesn't reflect your values? Would you like to see a third party, whether it's headed by a Bernie Sanders on the left or a Donald Trump, wherever Donald Trump is, is it time for a third party in American political politics? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on, and I will tell you where I come down on this as well. It's 943. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 946, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right, what we saw in the last couple weeks was an increasing rift between Donald Trump, who is the elected as a Republican, and the mainstream Republican Party. You know, you've seen this playing out before. You've seen it with Trump sniping about Paul Ryan or about Mitch McConnell, and now you see Trump quote-unquote, reaching across the aisle, cutting a deal with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to raise the debt ceiling, something that... Well, mainstream Republicans just, you know, had been opposing for the longest time. So now the question becomes, you know, it, do we need to see a third political party? And will we see a third political party? Kind of the the party of of Trump versus the party of, of, of Lincoln. Let's see. Debbie says, I am on board with that. Um, another email here. I predicted in 2015 that Don the Con would destroy the GOP. He has. I want a third party, one that a conservative can support. 414-799-1620. Here's the problem with that. Um, If there is a third political party, what it will do is it will guarantee you that Democrats will control the White House and Congress for, for years. And that is, like I say, I've always believed that the Republican Party is a much, much bigger tent than the Democratic Party is, especially now as the Democrats are moving harder and harder to the left. The problem with, um, again, the, the Trump the Trump ideology versus standard Republican ideology is if you split conservative voters, you are guaranteeing that Democrats are going to be elected for the foreseeable future. Let's talk to Roger in Janesville. Roger, good morning. Yeah, I've always believed uh, that there should be a third party, a stronger middle-of-the-road party, you know, one that we can all come together on because, yeah, vaccinating uh, Hard left, hard right isn't going to do any, anybody any good. Do you think that is? Do you think that is practical? Do you think that there? 
Do you think that there that the average American is going to be able to come together in in the middle? And I'll I'll just I mean, is there a political party out there where both pro-lifers and pro-choice people can come together? I would hope so because that's the only thing that's going to get this country ever back together. Because it's you know, yeah, definitely the the left is hard hard hitting the brakes and the right they do that too. But uh, you know, if we can get somebody right in the middle, that can, and you. You're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to draw people, you know, from the Democratic Party if we can get something a little bit more moderate. Right. Yeah, I, I guess I, I mean, th- see, that's I mean, look, I have a text here from Andrew in Greenfield who says, unfortunately, I don't see any moderate moderate Democrats voting for a middle of the road third party. Republicans will split their vote. Democrats will control everything. See, that's I mean, that's it. I mean, you look at I just look at the state of Wisconsin. There are not moderate, and I I understand that you've got, for example, Democrats that whine about, well, it's redistricting. No, that's not why Democrats are in the minority in Wisconsin now. It is because, at least in my opinion, they have moved hard left. They have drummed all the moderate Democrats out of the party. Guys that um, guys and or gals, I use guys in the general sort of term, who would you know occasionally be able to say, "Look, I, I'm going to put the interests of my constituents ahead of my, my loyalty to the party." But you can't find any of those people. You, you've got the Foxconn vote that is coming up today in the state senate. All right, now I, I think maybe I'm wrong. I think this is going to be a game changer for the state of Wisconsin. But you know, I don't know that there's any Democrats in the state Senate they're going to vote for it. I heard you know Chris Larson, who, who represents an area in Milwaukee County. Larson is this ultra lefty, but he represents part of Milwaukee County. There, his constituents will benefit greatly from Foxconn because Foxconn, whether it creates three thousand jobs or five thousand jobs or thirteen thousand jobs, it, some of those jobs are going to be filled by people who are looking for work or are looking to better themselves out of Milwaukee County. And Chris Larson, I mean, I heard him on our today saying, here's corporate welfare, I'm not going to vote for it. Well, that's, okay, um, show me an example. This will be the first time that, you know, he hasn't voted for something like this. But why is he not voting for it? Well, he's not voting it for it because Scott Walker is pushing it, the Republicans are behind it, and so he's willing to betray his constituents in an effort to, again, demonstrate party loyalty. Here, I'm I'm going to side with the Democrats. So this idea that you can find people who are willing to put their country and their constituents ahead of their political party, we don't have too many of those folks out there in politics nowadays. And that, I think, moving forward is is my is my concern about this. Um, I think that the interesting factor is going to be what is going to be the effect of Donald Trump, if any, because Trump is a force unto himself. I will be honest with you. I think um, he's taken more conservative positions as a general rule than I really thought. I mean, I one of the concerns I had during the election campaign was, you know, who knows what kind of Supreme Court choices he's really going to appoint. You know, why, why do we why should we think, you know, that he is going to support a conservative because Trump has been over his career, he has been 
I would use the word perhaps opportunistic. You know, he was pro-choice, uh, now he's pro-life. He was this, he was that. His policies seem to, some people would say, evolve. I would say they're inconsistent depending on, you know, what the particular whim of the moment is. So I don't know that, I mean, I don't know that Donald Trump could lead a third party. I don't think as a third party candidate, Donald Trump could get elected any more than Ross Perot could get elected, you know, back when, when he was running. Third parties play spoilers. Bill Clinton became president because Ross Perot siphoned votes away from um, the first President Bush. That, I think, is the concern that I have as, as we move forward. Um, will there be a third party that becomes viable? And I understand that there's all sorts of minor parties, but none of them, none of them are, are really viable because they, they haven't been able to tap into this mainstream that they haven't been able to reach the center of the country a lot of the, the the minor parties that are out there now tend to be kind of on the fringes the question becomes are we ready for a mainstream party uh, a third party perhaps that can stake out the middle ground i don't think we're there yet and i don't certainly think donald trump is the guy that's going to bring us there if trump leads to a third party it's going to fracture and destroy the republican party for the foreseeable future and guarantee that democrats are going to win elections but there might be some other candidate out there and it's not bernie sanders either he's the same thing on the left there might be some other candidate somewhere who who says okay there is a middle ground and i want to be that candidate i just don't know who that would be it's 954 this is jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Those impacted by Hurricane Irma are beginning to return to their homes and businesses. One of those residents who has surveyed the damage will join John McCure to share what he now faces at 420 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. I was at a, um, I was at a cookout last night, and it seemed like... Seemed like almost everybody at this cookout owned owned property in Florida, and it was just, it was kind of interesting. And including, I was talking to one guy who owned property on Marco Island, which just got got hit really badly. Um, no, no, and a number of people who have places in the Naples area, for example, and none of them exactly knew what it was that they were going to come back to. As a matter of fact, they were trying to make arrangements to. Um, get down there in the next week or so to look at it and see what the destruction was. I mean, the only good news is it, it could have been worse, and I know that's small consolation to people who've you know, lost property, but, but at the same time, I think it could have been a lot worse. You know, we were talking a little bit about the polarization of political parties. I, I just, uh, new announcement today, um, and I'm, I'm looking at the people who want to be governor. Now, the truth of the matter is, Scott Walker is going to be reelected as governor. So, I mean, I, I'm saying it here. Scott Walker is, is going to win um, next November. But I, I'm looking at some of the people that are running. And it's one – we talk about, like, the center ground. Th- there's no center Democrats that, that are running. They're, they're just nobody. You've got, you know, Tony Evers, who's the state superintendent of schools. He's to the left. You've got this business guy who's even further to the left. You've got this state representative out of Eau Claire who's to the left. The latest name jumping in, Mike McCabe. Now, you might remember that because he ran for a number of years. He ran this Wisconsin Democracy Campaign, which was one of these, like, like, like Goo Goo, the, the, like the do-gooder organizations, an extremely, in my opinion, left-wing organization 
designed to, well, promote campaign finance reform and things like that. But really, in my opinion, at least, it serves to try to promote the election of liberal candidates. Uh, now he's getting into the race, and he's going to try to like carve out the farthest left wing of the party. So far, you've got no centrists that are running. And when McCabe gets in, like I say, he moves it even further to the left. And as long, at least in Wisconsin, as long as that happens, as long as the Democrats continue to push further and further to the left, um, they're going to continue, at least in my opinion, to be a minority party. And I'm not looking at any of the candidates so far who've announced to run against Scott Walker who are going to bring them back to the middle. It's just not happening because, again, this is the polarization that you see in politics, both in Wisconsin and nationally. It's 10.09. This is Jeff Wagner. So, Jane, I was listening to your report about in Miami Beach. Have you ever been to Miami Beach? I have not. You've never been to Miami Beach? No. Oh. Florida has never called to me. Really? No. Huh. Huh. I was, um, I, I have a Miami Beach story. I'm, um, there's, I, I'm, this is back in another life. It's in the mid-80s, back when I'm chasing drug dealers in the U.S. Attorney's Office. Right. Oh, and, hot spot for that. Well, it, it was because for... For like the late seventies to the mid eighties, before the explosion of crack cocaine, all, all it, powder cocaine was the was the big thing, and it was generally coming up from South Florida and and you know being brought to Milwaukee. So what we would do is you know if you're trying to bust these interstate drug rings, you know you a lot of the people we indicted were people from Florida and also people up here. And you know interestingly enough, we'd have to go down there and interview witnesses, and if I could try to arrange that so it happened during the winter, even better, you know. Absolutely. But, but so one the true story. One night, and this is of course you remember you remember Miami Vice, right? The Absolutely. old oh, yeah. the, the, the the hot TV show. The, the sockless um, one. Don Johnson, yeah. yeah, who ran from like 84 to 1990. So this, I'm trying to think, it was probably 86, because I, I remember the case. And I'm I'm down in Miami, and we would either, a lot. sometimes we'd stay in Fort Lauderdale, but a lot of times we'd stay in Coconut Grove, which is down there. And we're at uh, Joe's Stone Crabs, which is a famous restaurant on Miami Beach. Mm-hmm. And I'm there with a, a DEA agent. And we're sitting there, and we're, we're having dinner and all. And they were filming Miami Vice in the alley behind where we were. Oh, you know, wow. Joe Stone, Stone Crab. And so, I mean, because we saw like these TV production trucks and all. And so it's it's about like 8.30 or 9 o'clock. And we're, we're watching this whole thing. You know, they're, they're filming this stuff. And we decide we want to check it out. So we pull out our badges, you know, and we we go up to the set. And, you know, we... we Bob, I was with a guy named Bob Hartman. He, he's a you know he's a DEA agent. I've got in the U.S. Attorney's office. We kind of badge our way onto the set. Next thing I know, the producer was a guy named Michael Mann. He was on the set that night, and we're we're talking to him. You know, he he was there like supervising the the setup. It was really kind of cool. And he says. You want to be an extra. I was just going to say, how cool. Well, well, no, but he says, you want to be an extra in the shot. And we say, oh, that would be really, really cool. He says, well, the problem is we're not going to be ready to shoot it till about 2.30 in the morning. Oh. <laughs> so it's it's like 9.15 at night, you Things know. And move it's move really slowly. Well, well, right. He says, yeah, we're not going to be able to. We're, and, and Don Johnson and the other guy weren't weren't there. You know, it was just, it was like one of these things. But it was going to be like a, a car crash or something in, in this alley. But he said, no, we, you guys could be, well, you know, you could be background extras, but you're going to have to hang around. Around here till two thirty in the morning. Well, we kind of looked at each other and said that would be cool, but you know, <laughs> it's a, little, a little past our bedtime. <laughs> it, it is, but I, I just so whenever I think of Miami Beach, that was that was my story. I I, I could have been a contender. I could have been in the background of Jeff Wagner as Elliot Ness, yeah, or something like that. I love um, it. So that's whenever I think of Miami Beach, it's that Joe Stone Crabs and the Alley. All right, okay, in Madison, they have 
And I understand Madison is the home of the politically correct, the perpetually offended, and people who are more concerned and caring about, well, the environment than some of the rest of us. All right, here's the latest story. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times when I will sit in the car and, and wait. For example, I, um, I, I don't like to shop. I, I, just, I just don't. So there have been occasions in my life, for example, where I, I, I was with my late wife, or I suspect this is going to happen after I, I get married again a little bit. I, I, I don't like to shop. So it, you need groceries. So let's say there is a ball game on. And I'm listening to it on the car radio, but we need we need groceries. So what happened is you pull into the parking lot of the grocery store, and uh, my my wife would would go in and do the shopping. She said, "Okay, I'll, I'll run in. You just sit here because if I go in, I'm impatient. I'm I'm a guy. I'm kind of like, all right, let's 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 go, let's go, let's go. Which means she's going to be you know stressed out. Um, she's not going to have any fun shopping. She's going to feel rushed. I'm going to be hating every second I'm in there. So I, I, maybe I'm the only person that does this, but a lot of times, okay, hon, you go in, you do the shopping. I'm going to sit out here and listen to the ball game. And it, it, I don't care how long I sit out here. You know, spend, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm listening to the game, listening to the radio, listening to music, whatever. And I'll, I'll sit there. Now, many, many, many times when I sit there, I don't shut off the car. You know, if the temperature, if it's around freezing or something like that, if it's 35 degrees, I'll just let the car idle for 10, 15 minutes. You know, fine. I'm, that's that's it. The car's warm. I'm just sitting there. The motor is running. And I'm, I'm waiting. Um, I don't have kids. But my guess is maybe you've been in situations where you have to, you got to pick up the kids at school. All right. The, you know, you're, you're there. It's volleyball practice is over or basketball practice is over or whatever, and you pull up. And it's supposed to be, the kid's supposed to be out at 6 o'clock. So it, it's a cold winter evening. It's uh, it's November, and it's not it's not 5 degrees, but still, you know, it's, it's 35 degrees. It's 30 degrees. You pull up. You're outside of the school or the gym or whatever, and, and you're waiting. Maybe you don't want your kid to have to wait long, so you, you get there you get there early. You get there 15 minutes early, because who knows, practice could end early. Sometimes it runs late, whatever. My guess is that you would do what I do. You're going to sit there, and you're going to, you know, the, you're going to keep the heat running on the car. car is going to keep idling. You're going to listen to the radio while you are waiting for your child. I don't believe that that is an abnormal sort of thing to do. Well, beware. Because you can no longer do this in Madison. Let me share with you the story as it appears in the Madison paper. Whether picking up a child from school or waiting for a song to end before leaving the car. By the way, one of the greatest compliments that somebody can pay me, somebody that does what I do for a living, every once in a while somebody will say, Jeff, I was listening to this topic. I got home. And I sat in the driveway because I wanted to hear the rest of the calls or I wanted to hear how the segment ended. I will tell you, there's no greater compliment you can play, pay a talk show host than, than, than that, that you, you actually were so engaged in the, in the conversation that you sat there. And I had somebody say that the other day. said, my wife thought I was crazy. I got home. I was sitting in the driveway because I was listening. I wanted to see how this segment turned out. I wanted to see what people said to the point that the guy was telling me, my wife came out and said, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm just listening to the radio. So that, but in any event. You know, so maybe you get home, you want to hear the end of the song, you want to hear the end of the segment, whatever. In any event, Madison now has a new city ordinance which limits the length of time 
that you can run your vehicle's engine when it's parked. You are now, it is against the law to allow your car to idle for more than five consecutive minutes. Five minutes. So if you're waiting for your spouse to finish shopping, if you're sitting outside while your spouse or somebody is, who, whoever's riding with you is into the, at the doctor's, if you're waiting for your kid to come out after the volleyball game practice, you are only allowed to let your car idle for five consecutive minutes. Previously, the city had an ordinance which limited large trucks and buses in some areas to 15 minutes. This new law applies to all motor vehicles to the five-minute standard. And get this, it applies to vehicles sitting on both public and private property. So in other words, let's say, let me think of another example. Let's say you and your spouse are are going to a party, all right? And, you know, you say, honey, I'm going to go out. I'm going to warm up the car while you get ready. Your car is in its driveway. It is your driveway. You're sitting there, you turn on the car, you are waiting, you are limited by law to only allowing the car to idle for five consecutive minutes. Um, one of the loopy uh, older women says, well, we have to do this because it's environmental and health impacts from car exhaust are the driving factors behind the law. We need to be better in terms of our carbon emissions. Now, there is, there is an exception to this. Um, if the temperature is below 20 degrees or above 90 degrees, you can, you, can, you can let your car idle longer. But 25 degrees or 30 degrees or 75 degrees or 80 degrees. So if you're sitting there, your, your spouse is in the Walmart and you're waiting in the parking lot and it's 85 degrees, you cannot let your car idle to run the air conditioner for more than five minutes. Um, and again, it says actively actively loading and unloading passengers or property on private property is another exception. Oh, that's nice. So, you know, if you're, again, actively loading or unloading, but you can't do it on public property. Okay, 414-799-1620. All right, in Madison. They want to be good stewards of the environment by saying you now can no longer allow your car to idle for more than five minutes. Is this a much-needed rule which is going to make the planet a lot better, or is this government overreach of the highest degree? I mean, really, do we have greenhouse gases and problems because you're sitting listening to the radio and running your car heater while you're waiting for your kid to come out after the volleyball practice, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you, this is, while typical of Madison, this is one of the most ridiculous things that I have ever, ever heard. If I want to let my car idle in the driveway, my driveway, while I'm sitting in the car waiting for my spouse to, to come out, I, I think I should be able to do that without the namby-pamby people in Madison, the Common Council, telling me I can't. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 1019. This is Jeff Wagner. 
1022, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. One of the other exceptions to the number of people have been asking is, what if you're working on your car? Yes, uh, if you're... If you're working on your car in your driveway, you can let the car idle. So there's there's an exception for repair work. There's an exception for idling in congested traffic. So in other words, if you're stuck on the beltway because there's a collision and you can't move, yes, you can let your car idle then, and you can let your car idle if it's below 20 degrees or above 90 degrees. All right, so 80 degrees you're sitting in your car. Nope, you can't run that air conditioner for more than five consecutive minutes because the emissions police in Madison are going to be looking for you. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, let's start with Robert in Sheboygan. Robert, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, I'm glad I'm not, there's many reasons I'm glad I don't live in Madison. This would just be the latest one. Yeah, me too. I tell you, um, I have uh, a couple businesses uh, remodeling, but one of them is a, a flower business. And uh, to deliver flowers, especially in the, the summertime, um, if you don't have that AC on, and a yeah. lot of times you can't get into places, you got to wait for lunch, you know, breaks, things like that to deliver the flowers, your flowers will. So... You oh, know. so I mean, you, yeah, a lot of times for your business, you're, you're sitting, you're, you're waiting for somebody to come home or come to the door or something to clear up. So you're you're idling sometimes for seven minutes or ten minutes because you need to run the AC because the product's going to die. Correct. Hmm. Yeah, sometimes up to twenty. You know, if you're waiting for you know with traffic and stuff, especially in Milwaukee. So huh. you know, it just makes no sense. And well, well, know. but well, but I guess my question is, do you hate the environment? I mean, my God, you must just hate the environment if you want to keep those flowers alive. Yeah, yeah, you know that's uh, that goes back to the same thing with Freon too. Uh, it was so bad for the uh, environment. Uh, now they sell it over the counter. Yeah, no, th- th- thanks for the call. No, I'm j- I'm just saying, right? Th- this is this is all this, but we want to be good stewards of the environment. So, I mean, don't sit in that car with the motor running because Lord knows, I don't know that that's why we're having global warming. I guess Fred in Shorewood. Fred, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Fred. People leave long-haired, big dogs in the car with the motor running during those uh, prohibited uh, temperatures. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, right. Don't right. That, that that's it. I mean, I guess it's like it's. Uh, well, I, I don't know. So you've got right. It's it's eighty-five degrees outside. Um, I don't know what you do with the dog. I mean, you they leave it at home. Well, leave I guess. Yeah, well, I th- yeah, I guess. I mean, thank right. I guess you right. Don't don't drive around with those dogs because well, what are you going to do? You you can't leave that. You you can't run the air. I mean, this is just ridiculous. I mean, seriously, this is it's just it's stunning in my opinion how stupid this this ordinance is. Tom in Milwaukee. Tom, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Tom. Um, well, my qu- actually, my question is: Are police and uh, like first responders? Like- I, you know that's a very that's a very I'm sorry your cell phone was cutting out there that is a very good question because I would imagine and with no disrespect to my friends in law enforcement you know it, law enforcement are probably the biggest violators of this you know I mean how often do you see the police car just for example 
parked on the side of the road, you know, running radar. Well, that car is running. Car is idling. Matter of fact, of course it's idling. I don't expect that, I don't expect that the police officer that's going to be sitting by the side of the road with the radar gun and all, I expect that that car is going to be running. For example, if they need to chase somebody, you want the car to be running. I, I want them to have the heat on. I want them to have the um, air conditioning on if it's, say, 85 degrees outside. Now, I can't find it. I was actually looking. I, I assume law enforcement, assume because this is the type of thing that often the government exempts itself from the rules that the rest of us have to apply to. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, if we're so concerned about this, you know, what do we do about, you know, law enforcement? Let's talk to Jeff in Glendale. Jeff, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, hey Jeff. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, I, oh, I have you all to the show playing in my driveway. I had to stop in my traffic. <laughs> I couldn't believe what you said. Uh, I, I, one of the comments is they should just pack up that whole city and ship them off to California. That's my first opinion. <laughs> my second question is, like, the question I have is, how are they going to enforce it? I didn't even think about the police cars running, but are they going to leave their cars running while they're writing me this ticket? Well, I mean, they, well, you would well, think or, they're a lot more busier. Well, well, also, yeah. That, see, that that's the that's the point. And, and here's okay. The first offense is a hundred dollar fine. The second, a second offense within seven years is four hundred. Third and subsequent offenses are six hundred dollar tickets. I mean, you're, you're getting a fine that that's six hundred dollars if you do this three times. I mean, seriously, I, I can't. I can't. Believe, who comes up with this stuff? This is just unreal. Well, people, I, right? People, yeah. Thanks to God, people in Madison. And and here's the other thing. Okay, now I mean, isn't it nice to know that the crime problem in Madison? is so under control. We don't have problems with homeless. We don't have problems with crimes of violence. Isn't it nice to know that the crime problem in Madison is so, so very under control that we can now task police officers with sitting there with the stopwatch trying to figure out whether when you're waiting for your kid to come out of his or her volleyball practice, gee, um, excuse me, Ms. So-and-so, we've been watching you, and do you realize that the you pulled up, it's, it's 28 degrees outside, and, and you pulled up at 620, and you have been sitting here with your car idling, and now it's 632, and do you realize that now we're going to have to give you a $100 ticket? Oh, oh, wait, by the way, you're a scofflaw. I recognize you. I recognize you from last week. You did the same thing. Here is your $400 ticket. This, this is what passes for, I don't know, common sense in the People's Republic of Madison. And it, it is true. I've always believed that if you took a map of the United States and had a bunch of marbles in it and you shook it up, every loose marble would roll to California, most settling in San Francisco. Some would clearly stop in Dane County partic- in general and in Madison along the way. You cannot make this stuff up. If you follow me on Twitter, it's Jeff Wagner 620 at Jeff Wagner 620. Um, I, I tweeted out that the link to this particular story. I swear I'm not making this up. I know you think it sounds like something from the onion, but trust me, it's true. It's 920. It's 929, 1029. 10:31. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Our text line has exploded. Mary says, "Can can you idle for four minutes, fifty nine seconds, turn the car off, and then start it again?" 
I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a loophole in the law or whether they've built in some exception that says after you've idled for four minutes and 59 seconds, you've got to shut the car off and leave the car off for X amount of minutes before you can turn it on again. Um, but the whole thing just makes my my head want to explode. This is what's going on in the People's Republic of Madison, and they wonder why we mock them. Ten thirty-six, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. I love you. You get it. Yeah, our text lines exploded. Let's see. I suppose there's going to be no more parades in Madison. Too many vehicles idling for too long. Um, and so, who's going to sit? Here's another one. Who's going to sit and time vehicles that are idling? And the people who are timing this car are their vehicles not idling as well? Um, yes, 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 yes. That's the kind of thing that goes on here. Here's Josh and O'Connor Um, so, so what if I just took laps, I troll around the parking lot doing hot laps until my wife is done shopping? I'm not idling. What's the difference? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's it. So you drop your wife off, you're listening to the ball game. You know, you don't want to go in and, and go grocery shopping because it's like having your teeth drilled without Novocaine. So you say, sweetheart, you go in. I'm fine. Take your time. I'm going to listen to the ball game. And, you know, it's it's 82 degrees outside. So, you know, I, I'm just I'm going to run the air conditioner. So in Madison, it is illegal to do that for more than five minutes in the parking lot if you're idling. But theoretically, you could just drive slowly around the parking lot and you wouldn't have a problem. Um, yeah, I wonder how that makes the planet any any better. Um, Chris in Oshkosh says, what about police vehicles, emergency vehicles, or taxis? And yes, I am sitting in my car with it running to hear about this topic before going inside. Uh, I tell you, this is, this is, oh, here's a good one on our text. Teresa says, now what's next, Jeff? Are they going to tell me to take a shorter route home because I'm making my car run more than it needs to? You know, that sounds ridiculous, but out in the People's Republic of Madison, can't you see that happening? I mean, this is going to be the next thing. We have decided that people are using too many fossil fuels. And, and your car, okay, when it's running, you've got these greenhouse emissions, and so we're all concerned about the emissions from the car exhaust. So here's the deal. Um, when you are coming home from work, you have three or four options of different routes that you can take. Well, here's what the new law is going to be. We have an ordinance that says that you are going to have to plot out. We have calculate, calculated what the shortest route is. One route is four miles. One route is 4.3 miles. One route is five miles. Um, that's the more scenic route. No, you're not going to be allowed to take that. And, and you think that that's ridiculous. But is that any more ridiculous, seriously, than an ordinance that says that you can't sit and idle your car when it's 35 degrees while you're waiting for your kid to come, you know, out from volleyball practice or basketball practice? I think... I think not. All right. Let us switch gears. Let my blood pressure go down for a minute. Um, Shorewood. We're we're right. Where I'm sitting now is right on the border of uh, Shorewood and Milwaukee and Whitefish Bay and Glendale. It all kind of comes together. Um, Shorewood has done. It's, it's actually it's been an amazing transformation. If I were to look at the communities, at the communities around here, like Milwaukee County, 
that have really kind of reinvented themselves and kind of reinvigorated themselves. I, I would Oak Creek certainly one. Um, Shorewood would, would be another. I mean, there Oakland Avenue, which is the, kind of like the the main stretch, one of the main stretches that that runs through Shorewood. It, it is amazing the development that they have. You have all sorts of restaurants that have come up. You have you know there's a big metro market there. there there's bars. I mean, there, there's a it's an amazing commercial development to the point that it's almost it's almost too much because parking is always at a premium. There's just so and I guess that's a nice thing to have, but the problem is that there there's not enough parking in many respects to, you know, support a lot of the businesses they have. But again, that that's that's a good sign, I guess, that they have been successful. So, I mean, I want to give credit for to Shorewood for, you know, again trying to promote the area and being business friendly. Shorewood also has over the years made some really, really bad decisions as far as throwing money, taxpayer money, at projects that were, were doomed to fail. Um, a few years ago, they, they gave some loan to this like bookstore that was never going to succeed, and it, it went belly up, and they never got the money back from them. But, but they, they've done a good job of, again, trying to encourage his businesses to come in. Okay, so here's the latest story. Um, there's There's a a restaurant called Blue's Egg. And the people that own Blue's Egg own a couple of other restaurants as well, like Maxi Southern Comfort and Story Hill BKC. These are good restaurants, so this is not a knock at this. They want to open, the owners want to open a second location in Shorewood. And there's this new building, they call it the Mosaic Building, it's like 4200 North Oakland Avenue. The building was finished in April. It has a, a number of other businesses that are in there now, but they've been looking for a restaurant to come in. And apparently what's happening is that they, they can't they can't find a restaurant, another restaurant that's willing to come in because the space isn't big enough. Right? That that's the issue. So what's happening is um, apparently the blue blues egg what they want to do is they say, okay, well, there's, there's an outdoor patio. We would like to enclose this, turn it into a four-season room, and, you know, that, that would give us more space. So then we'd be inclined to want to do it. Um, to do that, it would cost an additional $220,000. And the restaurant would not – the proposal is the restaurant would not pay rent on the additional space once it has been created. So the idea is that the Shorewood would now put up $200,000 to end up doing this. Well, one of the trustees is saying, wait a second, you know, wait a second, you know, let me get this straight. You you want us to put another $200,000 into this for, for tenant improvements? And the argument is, is yes. Okay. I, I I appreciate, for example, I, I appreciate, you know, wanting to have business development. I think this Foxconn thing is going to be a great deal for the state of Wisconsin. But you know what? On Oakland Avenue in Shorewood, there are more restaurants now than you can shake a stick at. I think this would be great if this restaurant decides to locate there. I, I do. That, that'd be perfect. But you don't need another restaurant. 
You you don't need another restaurant. And if you've got to take two hundred plus thousand dollars of taxpayer money to inspire a restaurant to come in, well, you really don't need that restaurant. It's not like hey, there's not other places to go to eat on Oakland Avenue. And I, I do wonder about what about all the existing restaurants that are there? I mean, are, are we going to then say, well, we're going to take money and we're going to give you, here's $200,000 to you, restaurant or tavern. Here's $200,000 to you. Here, we want you to be able to expand so you can serve more people. Well, the answer is, of course, we're not going to do that. Now, this is the type of thing that Shorewood has done in the past. Like I say, throwing money at certain businesses that were either doomed to fail, um, in which case you never get the money back, or... Um, this idea that you know you're you're there and and again i don't i don't fault the restaurant a, at all I, I don't fault the restaurant at all i understand they want this but this idea that you're going to take money and do it i i think i'm with the alderman as far as saying you know no um shorewood gets to decide what shorewood gets to decide but I'd be real cautious going down this route. Like I said, they, they've made investments like this before that didn't pan out. I have no doubt that this restaurant's going to be successful. I mean, it's it's very popular. People love it. But at the same time, um, you know, maybe they need to find a different location if the space isn't big enough for them to move in. It's 1045. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Nine, nine, 1049, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Now it's the state Senate's turn to vote on Foxconn's incentive package. Will it fall along party lines? Or might some Democrats cross over and vote yes? Scafidi and Bill Stett have the latest out of the state capitol. Tune in at 135 this afternoon. All right. I have been, for the last couple of weeks, I'm, I'm, I'm up on Twitter, and you can follow me. Uh, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. And actually, for example, to the people who follow me, I, I tweeted out, that, that story about the, the new ordinance in Madison about idling your car. So had a link to that. You know, we, we tweet out um, earlier today. We were talking about this sign at a Dairy Queen. We tweeted out the sign. So you, you can follow. But I, I have to tell you that I am, I am careful to the point of being paranoid when it comes to passing things on in the Internet. For example, I will frequently receive emails that are forwarded to me from from someone else. Sometimes I know the people, sometimes I don't. I never, ever, ever, ever forward those to anyone else because unless it's like some business thing or something, you know, unless it's something like that. But I mean, just like with the commentary or whatever, I never do because I've seen too many examples of people who get in trouble because you say, oh, this is kind of cute. So you send it on. And then the next thing you know, how many times you've seen people in trouble because there's something that's offensive or racist or um, whatever, or the person that it originated with is hooked up with some white supremacist group or whatever that might be, um, or you know Antifa or, or, or some like crazy group, and all of a sudden by you forwarding it on, you have at least in the eyes of some, you have embraced the, all that you know the, the person who originated this and, and all that they stand for. I I just don't need that. I am perfectly capable of getting in enough trouble on my own, so I never pass stuff on. I am also extremely cautious when i when i post links to things about where the link is where the link is coming from 
um, and, and things like that, where the link is coming from. Because, again, you, you, you never know, even if the story is a legitimate story, but it's, uh, again, a, a, a website that it comes from a website that you want nothing to do with. I, I don't I don't want to be associated with that. I am also very careful when it comes to liking things on on the Internet. As a matter of fact, I I rarely I rarely, rarely, rarely do that because, well, um, sometimes you can just make mistakes. So here's the here is the latest story. Ted Cruz. All right. Ted Cruz, who is the senator from Texas, um, you know, one of the last men standing in the presidential race, a devout Southern Baptist. Um, Here's what happened. His and this is the report that's um, you know coming out. Um, he has shocked the internet when his official Twitter account inexplicably, explicably favorited a short porno flick. Just after midnight, the former presidential candidate and married father of two liked a two-minute video from something called Sexual Posts which featured featured a naked couple, a winsome blonde voyeur, and a cream leather sofa. Um, initially, the Cruise communication director tweeted that the offensive posts had been reported to Twitter, although she wouldn't offer an explanation. Cruise later told reporters that the favorite was an accident and not malicious conduct. The senator wouldn't name the staffer or what punishment that they would, uh, they would do. So... Um, Apparently, there's somebody, I, I would assume, I would assume that, that Senator Cruz was not watching this brief video. I, I just, I think that I understand that you never know what goes on. And, you know, who would have thought that, um, you know, um, Elliot Spitzer, the, you know, governor of New York, who was on the short list to be a Democratic presidential candidate, who would have thought that he was running around with high-end, high-priced call girls and things like that? Um, so you, I guess you never know. But... My, my guess is that, that Senator Cruz was was not watching this, this two minute video. That's just my guess, but um, somebody somebody um, who had access to his official Twitter account, I, I don't know if they were watching it and decided to like it. In which case, if that was the case, can, can't you imagine? I mean, the oops factor after you hit that button, it's like oops, I want that one back. Or whether this was, I don't even, I have no idea how you even access stuff like that, which is probably good. But again, it's one of, it's one of those things that you just got to be careful before you push the button. You know, read, read that post a couple times, check out those links a couple times. In this particular situation, I'm inclined to give uh, Senator Cruz the benefit of the doubt. I doubt that he was the one that was watching the post, but at the same time, I think maybe um, maybe this is one where some head somewhere should roll over this. 1054, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1058, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Coming up in less than seven or eight minutes, it is the new political idea. And people who are going to be running on the left in the 2020 presidential election are already embracing it. It's not, it's not Obamacare. It is single payer. 
And if you don't know what single payer is, in my opinion, you should be scared, very scared. It is essentially Medicare for all, and it is becoming more of a mainstream idea. We're going to revisit this question in just a couple minutes. Plus, uh, the school lunch era. The Trump administration is rolling back a number of the Michelle Obama, let's eat healthier in schools. The problem with those is that the people, the kids, don't want the healthier food. But there's now pushback from a lot of parents in some schools saying, well, well no, we've we got to give the kids vegetables even if they don't eat them. We're going to discuss all of that coming up in just a couple minutes. So don't go anywhere. 1059, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 11.07. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, two breaking news stories within the last few minutes, as Jane was just telling you. Um, n- no surprise, this has been widely reported by a number of people, um, and, and and actually it was what the word's been for, for quite a few weeks, that um, now Kenosha officially dropping out of the running for the Foxconn plant. Um, I, I think that means that that it's going to be built in Racine County. And, of course, that's what I think a lot of the reports have been. And, and again, this goes back a few weeks. There was the question about would it be in Kenosha, would it be in Racine, and it appears that the Foxconn people had had settled on the Racine area. Um, Again, we're still not – nobody knows exactly where this is going to be, but I think most of the smart money says that given where developers are trying to buy some land, it's going to be in the southern portion of Racine County. But Kenosha announcing that it is dropping out of the running for the Foxconn plant. Um, although I mean, Kenosha is still going to benefit greatly from the Foxconn plant, just like Am- this, like uh, the Amazon facility uh, benefits Racine. So the, the vote in the state Senate, by the way, today is for Foxconn is going to occur. Um, it is going to pass. The interesting question, and I know Scafidi and Bill Stadt are going to be talking about this later on, is whether or not it passes with any bipartisan support. Will particularly Democrats in the state Senate who represent... Well, economically challenged areas in southeastern Wisconsin, will they decide to side with their constituents who need jobs and support Foxconn, or will they decide to support and side with the liberal special interests and the leadership in Madison that says Democrats can't vote for anything that is proposed by Scott Walker? That's going to be the interesting thing. Will they sell out their constituents? And a uh, matter of fact, on tomorrow's program, we are going to name names. So that's one of the stories, as Jane was reporting, Kenosha dropping out of the running um, for the Foxconn plant. The other interesting story, and this is how political dominoes end up falling. Last week, uh, Brookfield State Senator Leah Vukmir announced that she was running for the U.S. Senate seat currently held by Tammy Baldwin. I, I think there's a couple really good candidates out there and maybe one or two more that might get into the race. But I think, generally speaking, you'd have to say that Leah Vukmir is the leader in the clubhouse. That's not to say that she's certainly going to have a cakewalk winning the nomination, but um, I, I think she's the, the leader in the clubhouse. But she's going to be vacating her seat. Um, she's up for re-election to the. She would be up for re-election to the state senate 
next year. But by making the decision to run for U.S. Senate, that means she's got to give up her seat. It's not a free ride. Um, Republican State Representative Dale Cuyunga, who's been um, one of the leaders, and I, I don't always agree with Dale on, on budget issues, but he's certainly been one of the fiscal leaders in the state legislature, um, he's one of the he's one of the district the state representatives who represents that Senate uh, district, and so um, you know he's going to be running for Leah Vukmir's seat. I don't know if there's going to be other candidates that emerge or not, but again, it's the, it's the political dominoes that end up falling. All right, I have I admit that the entire development of the issue of health care has just kind of fascinated me. And there's a number of stories out now about how the failure of Republicans to repeal and replace Obamacare has inspired Democrats not to keep Obamacare, but rather to take it a step further and push for what is known as single-payer. Single payer is um, essentially it's Medicare for all. That, that, that's what it would be. Now, one of the things that always just baffled my mind about Obamacare is the fact that most people in this, it, in some respects, Obamacare is the tail wagging the dog. By what I mean there is that most people get their health insurance through their employer. That That's that's the vast majority of, of people. You get your insurance through your employer. And as a general rule, I think most people in that, in that situation are, are relatively happy to the extent that anybody's happy about having to pay for insurance. I think most people are, are relatively happy and satisfied with that. Um, then the other universe uh, of people with insurance are people over the age of 65 who are covered by Medicare. The number of people out there who are covered by, who are not getting insurance through their employer, not covered by Medicare, is, is a relatively small number. Now, if, if you're one of the 10 or 11 or 13 million, uh, obviously it's an important thing to you. But given the fact that most people aren't in that situation, it never made any sense to me that we blow up the entire system as opposed to just simply dealing with the issues and trying to figure out a way to provide you know, reasonable health care without having to worry about pre-existing uh, conditions for that relatively small group of people. But instead, we have now Obamacare, which puts all sorts of limits on, again, insurance that you get through the workplace and, and things like that. Single payer, like I say, is Medicare for all. What's happening now is four of the potential leading candidates for president from the Democratic side in 2020 are now signing up as sponsors on Bernie Sanders' Medicare for all single payer health care bill. Cory Booker, who is a senator from New Jersey, became the fourth sponsor, along with Bernie Sanders, along with Elizabeth Warren, and along with Kamala, Kamala Harris, who's a Democrat from California. These are the left wing of the Democratic Party, and they're now all jumping on board this, this notion of single payer, which would essentially mean the government is going to handle all all insurance. That That's what it would be. You would no longer have private insurance 
coverage, the federal government would pay all your medical expenses. So it would be a one-size-fits-all sort of situation. In other words, you know, Medicare for all. No different types of coverage, no individual choice as to what would be covered and what wouldn't. Just, you know, everybody is under the same umbrella. The federal government would essentially set the rates, and, you know, that, that's where it would go. Now, the cost of doing this, the cost of going to a single-payer system would be enormous. Depending on who you listen to, Bernie Sanders said he thinks you could do his plan for $1.3 trillion. Most estimates say probably $2 trillion, $2.5 trillion a year. But this is what's been holding up single-payer single in a number of states. It, it's the cost. It would be incredibly expensive to do this. But at the same time, you would get universal coverage. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Obviously, some people on the left have decided this is the way to go. This is what we want to stake out. This is going to be our campaign issue. The American people are now essentially ready for Medicare for all. Don't get your insurance through your employer anymore. Don't you know, have individual plans which you choose that's going to reflect, you know, your cost. Are you willing to have higher deductibles or lower deductibles? It's just everybody is going to be treated the same. Is that what you want to see? 414-799-1620. Because candidly, um, I, I just think for a lot of people, you would not be happy. You would not be happy with that at all. And for the expense for everybody, I think it makes it a non-starter, but it has now become politically more viable. This used to be toxic. Talking about single payer, you'd get almost no support. Now um, it's it's popular, and several people who are going to be running for president are going to be running for that platform. 414-799-1620, we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1116. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1119, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, fresh off their week one victory. It only gets tougher for the Packers as they prepare for the Falcons and Atlanta's brand new stadium on Sunday night football. Voice of the Packers, Wayne Larrabee, joins John McCure with the latest at 320 during Wisconsin's afternoon news. BD, who's producing the show today and always, you know what the best part of being on Sunday night football is? The very best part, it's that we're not going to get bucked. There's, There's no... There's no Joe Buck. There's no Troy Aikman for at least a week or so. All right, we're talking about single-payer system. Um, Right now, there's about 150 million Americans who get their insurance through their employers. Um, If some liberal Democrats would have their way, that that would be completely and totally upended, and um, we'd all be sort of like Medicare for all. I think that would be disastrous. 414-799-1620 is the number. Let's start with, uh, let's see, Matt in Brown Deer. Matt, you're on 620 BTMJ. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Good. What do you think? Well, well I've worked all over uh, co- companies all over the world from Europe. We, we have meetings. They tell you, pray you don't get it, because these are countries with fractions of our population much healthier than our populated country. And if people would just look at how Medicare's run, the VA's run, Medicaid's run, and the fact that government doesn't do anything well anyway, how do they think they're going to get 
efficient, good health care, and it's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be free. I mean, Medicare oh no, no, it's 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 like, right. It's huge. Have no idea how poor it'll be because let's just say, for example, Jeff, you need to go in and get uh, your your heart checked. And hey, Jeff, you have blockage in your heart. We need to do bypass. You're on a you're on a table tomorrow morning. When the government runs it, you're on the table in a year in this country, probably a year, year and a half down the road. They give you some blood thinning pills. If you're still alive, when your turn comes up, then you get the service, and it's not free. So that people don't understand what they're getting into. Just go to the DMV at the post office and go, now picture that being your health care. Right, and that's what, like I was saying, and that's what's been the hang-up. That's what's been the hang-up from some states who tried to do that. Once they started looking at what it was going to cost... Um, they they just they, they backed off because the cost will be enormous. I understand that people think that you're going to be getting it for free. Au contraire, you're you're not going to be getting it for free. Just like people don't get Medicare for free. Yeah, no, thanks to God. 414-799-1620. So, I mean, th- this is one of those things. I understand it sounds like, oh, it's a free lunch. This is just absolutely wonderful. But, I mean, the countries that have this... Um, what you're looking at is you're going to be looking at substantial delays for getting treatment. This one-size-fits-all situation, well, for a lot of people who, for example, have the higher deductibles because they don't use it as much, um, they don't need as much health care insurance, for example, you know, they're, they're going to be in for a real rude awakening because their costs are going to go up dramatically. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, um, let's see, we've got Dave on the south side. Dave, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, Jeff, some of the employer insurance now, the deductibles are up to like five grand, though. You can't compare that to 20 years ago when I had a zero deductible insurance through Blue Cross and not paying anything for any insurance. So a lot of people would go for Medicare for all, Jeff, because employer insurance is going to get worse in the next 10 to 20 well, years. Well, but doesn't it matter what the, I mean, you don't, you don't think that the insurance for all is going to be free, do you? No, no, no. They're willing, people are willing on, on the liberal side to tax people that are making over a certain amount of money and tax them at rates that you've seen in the 60s and 70s, Jeff. Mm. 80, so, so what you're talking about yeah. is you, you would be in favor of uh, the way you're going to pay for this is to expect the wealthier people to pay substantial, substantial See, you were payments. over a million dollars, Jeff, yeah. Well, they would pay 75, 80 percent then, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Thank, 75 to 80 percent if you're over a million dollars. Huh. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm not sure that that would raise, that, that's not going to raise the trillions. Okay, the, the, again, let's, Bernie Sanders says 1.4 trillion. I, I think more of the experts say closer to two and a half trillion. You know, taxing people at a million, that make a million dollars, taking 80 percent of their salaries, of their income, um, I don't know why that's certainly not going to inspire people to, you know, want to make money. Um, but, but that, that's still not even going to come close to doing it. No, I mean, the reality is that this is to pay for single payer. It's, it, it's, it's going to mean that, you know, everybody who is paying into the healthcare system is, is going to be paying, I think, significantly more, or at least most people are going to be paying significantly more. There, there isn't, there just isn't a free lunch. I mean, they're just, they're just not. 414-799-1620. Um, and again, I, See, what, what frustrates me about this conversation is that I think most people are, are happy with their insurance. I mean, we're, you've got 156 million Americans who get coverage from work. You have a relative handful of people who are, 
again under the Obamacare programs. You know, we, you know, are we really going to take a system that I think a lot of people feel that it works? And I, I mean, I understand a lot of people have five thousand dollars. You got the high deductibles. Um, I think in our policy it's twenty five hundred bucks. And, and, and but I get it. But it's not like there's not going to be substantial premiums that you have to pay for the Medicare, for, for if we go to Medicare for all. 414-799-1620. Um, let's talk to Eileen in Greenfield. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. I am uh, have in front of me an article from Canada uh, dated June 27th of this year, 29th. The, the headlines read, Big Jump in Number of People Seeking Medical Care Outside Canada. Mm-hmm. And why do Ten, you think that would be? <laughs> <laughs> Tens of thousands of Canadians are being forced to travel abroad to receive the health care they need. It's because you will wait three years if you need a new knee. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my husband, you know, was visiting his father in Canada. He's from Canada. And... Uh, Three days later, he was back here in Wisconsin when he had a myocardial infraction, a heart attack. Right. Had he been up in Sault Ste. Marie, he'd have been dead. Right. Because he would have had to been airlifted to Sudbury, Ontario, uh, because many towns and cities do not do stents. They don't do bypass. You have to be taken to where you, a big city, Toronto. If you live in Toronto, I guess you're okay. But you'll wait for anything. It, it, it's a nightmare. I, I I can't huh. tell people enough here that think they're going to be okay with, and I call it socialized medicine. Yeah, well, it's clearly it's a... It's a luxury uh, tax. They, you know, they, up there they think they get their health care free, but you go up there, you know, we go up there to visit. We're going this weekend for a funeral. We don't buy anything up there. They have a luxury tax. Right, yeah, right. There's no free lunch. No, thanks. People pay through the nose for this, and you're exactly right about the waiting things. I, I used to have a chart. I don't have the chart right in front of me now that talks about, you know, for, for procedures. You've got kidney stones. Okay, you're peeing blood. Well, okay, you know, get ready to wait four or five months, you know, before you can have that procedure. Okay, well, that that's not the case. In, in the U.S., it's as soon as you can get get you in. I mean, that is what the trade-off is. Plus, there's these enormous costs. Now, look, I the, the unfortunate thing about the repeal and replace argument is that this has now emboldened a lot of people. And I, I understand for... For low-income people, well, then maybe you are going to be getting the health care for free. But for everybody else, you're going to be paying through the nose, not just for yours, but for other people's as well. Doesn't it make more sense to identify, okay, the, the 10 or 11 or the 12 or 13 million people, however many people signed up for Obamacare this year, figure out, all right, how can we get people decent degrees of coverage without saying to the 156 million other people who are already you know, covered through their employers, we're going to blow up the entire system. We're going to change how you get coverage. We're going to change the way doctors and hospitals are paid. We're going to shift more spending onto the federal government ledger. I mean, really, th- is that what we want to do? We continue the conversation. It's 1128. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We are going to continue this for one more segment. Here's a text. Jeff, why do you think your employer should pay for your health care? Time to get some skin in the game, Jeff. Medicare for all. Stop being a pig at the employer trough. Okay, reality check here. How how do you think 
health insurance through, how do you think this is going to be paid for? If, if you go to Medicare for All, first of all, there's going to be massive taxes on employers to help pay for this. Or alternatively, there are going to be massive taxes on employees to pay for this. So the compensation from the employer is going to increase. I mean, do you see if the cost of this is one point Free, let's say it's $2 trillion a year. Do you suddenly think that that's just going to come out of the pockets? Now the employers don't have to pay anything. They don't have to contribute to that. So it's going to come out of the people who are now going to be covered under this. I mean, money has to come from somewhere. That's what I think some people just don't get about the whole idea of single payer. I think it's going to lead to increased costs. I also think it's going to lead to crummy medical care. And do we really need it? But we continue the conversation. It's 1136, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, Greg from the Northwest Side sends a note. Austrian health care, Medicare for all, paid by a 10% payroll tax on paychecks. Yeah, you're, I think actually in, in the U.S. it would be a lot larger th- than that. I mean, so th- there isn't a free lunch. The other thing I think would happen if you – people say, well, I – People love Medicare. I mean, that, that that's great. You've got Medicare. Why, why, if Medicare is good enough for somebody who's 67, why wouldn't it be good enough for somebody who's 37? Well, here's part of the problem with that. Um, the way, the reason lots of doctors take Medicare is because Medicare reimbursement rates are perhaps lower than the market. But what they do is that they make the money up because they charge other people more through, like, the patients that aren't on Medicare. I firmly believe that if you went to a Medicare for all system, what you would see happen is you'd see a lot of doctors that just opt out of it. You want to talk about two-tiered health system, you would find, look, here's the reality. If if I have the money to afford it and um, somebody close to me is diagnosed, well, let's not even take the catastrophic situation. Let's not even talk about the heart attack that the caller was talking about earlier or, you know, a terminal cancer diagnosis, but just something. All right. You, you've got you've got kidney stones. All right. So you're um, so, you know, something needs to be done. You are in pain. You're, you know, peeing blood. Don't mean to be graphic. And you're told, all right, you got to wait four months. Well, OK. I mean, if, if I've got the wherewithal, I'm not waiting four months with this. I mean, so what you're going to have is you're going to have a lot of doctors, I think, who are just going to opt out of that. And they're going to devote their practices to the people who can just pay for it because, you know, they're not – if you've got the money, you're not going to wait to get this type of, of treatment. So you're going to have that two-tiered thing that's going on. Let's talk to John in Milwaukee. John, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. What do you think? Um, yeah, I, uh, I have a lot of mixed emotions about this thing. I was in Canada 15 years ago. I had a collapsed lung. I had open lung surgery. in the hospital for 12 days. I got a two-page bill from Canadian healthcare system for a total of $23,000. The next year, I had a cardiac procedure, a day surgery, a simple ablation of a nerve. It was a day surgery, one minute, seven in the morning, one by five. It was 19000 Huh. It's, it's, it's amazing. It was a three-page bill of everything itemized. Our system is so convoluted to build for every little picky thing that I think there has to be a balance somewhere because up in Canada the problems were when I needed to stop at a hospital on the way back and I asked for a copy of medical records, they said, well, the surgeon's uh, secretary would have to do that because there's no you know, secretaries up there. Right. I need a, I need a pick time for antibiotics. 
They wouldn't put one in because there's a three-week backlog. There's a three-week backlog for antibiotics. I'm sorry, i got to let you go because your cell phone's kind of breaking up. A three-week backlog for antibiotics. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. So, here, you know, let, let's take that chance. Oh, what's a little bit of an infection? Also, I mean, I do believe if you, if you don't think that there's an – if you have the government making the decisions, if you don't think that there's going to be rationing of care, um, I think you're – you're very, very much mistaken because I think that's the only way. Again, the system is going to the system is going to work. Um, and again, I just look, and I understand with, with Obamacare, uh, there there is this appeal, and I, I understand, especially if you qualify for the subsidies, that you know you, you can get it for relatively cheap, especially if you qualify for the subsidies. But the problem again is. Your options are so very limited. I mean, I don't know about you, but I just I don't want the system to be one where, hey, the government is going to direct you, you know, which doctor that you're going to be able to go to. You don't get to choose if you want to go to Freighter anymore, if you want to go to Aurora, if you want to go to Ascension, Columbia St. Mary's. No, you you don't get to make those choices anymore. I mean, this this is where it is that you're going to have to go. I, I like the idea of having the flexibility to choose, you know, my own doctor. And I do understand that, for example, people that have private health insurance plans that offer more options where you have an employer that perhaps takes care of its employees better than, say, Obamacare, you know, you, you have, you know, different standards that are, that are there where the person who's under Obamacare only has one provider, you know, in their particular county, so they're limited as to where their choices are. And I, I understand that some people might find that to be unfair. My concern, though, is if you try to go to single-payer, then the effect isn't going to be to expand the choices of people. It's going to be to narrow the choices for people. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Dennis in Kenosha. Dennis, good morning. Hi, Jeff. Thank Hi, you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, I can't believe that I'm saying this because I'm a hardcore Republican, but I think it's time to have the conversation. And here's the reasons why. We're already paying for the poor and the elderly. So I, I'm not poor, but I'm already paying for that, and I don't like that I'm not getting anything in return. Now, that may sound selfish, but look at the big picture of this. I just read a study, by the estimates are by the year 2027 that 85% of workers will be contract employees. Normally, contract employees don't have benefit packages that include health insurance. So you're going to have less people that are obtaining the health insurance through the normal means of the private sector employment. Uh, that's why I think we need to do something that maybe the government is involved with. And well, okay, well, here's my concern with you, Dennis. You know, you, you said that you don't like the idea right now that, that you're you're subsidizing other people's insurance because you don't get anything out of it. I guess my concern is you go to single payer and you're really going to be subsidizing it. I think you'd find you would find that you're paying a lot more than you are paying now. Well, that, that's possible. Um, but what we have now is a system that is dysfunctional at best. And, you know, the, the Republicans, my party, had a chance to repeal it, but the Democrat from Arizona didn't uh, – <laughs> Honor is the promise. Yeah. No, and it's a mess. No, and I, Dennis, thanks. I mean, I, I see. This is the see. This is going to be the interesting thing. There, there's no question. The failure to 
repeal and replace Obamacare has opened the door for this discussion of single payer. And I understand on its surface it has an appeal. Okay, Medicare for all. What's wrong with Medicare for all? Well, all right, I think before you just kind of say, oh, this is going to be the greatest thing in the world, what you have to do is ask a lot of these questions. How much is this really going to cost? And if you think it's not going to cost you money, that that's just not the way it works. There's going to be massive, massive, massive payroll taxes in order to support this. There's also going to be rationing of care and limitations on the choice of the doctors. So you, I guess you, you do have to have all this balanced out. Right now, I think everybody hears single payer and they think, oh, this is great. You know, I can go to the emergency room whenever I want and it's not going to cost me anything and this is just going to be tremendous. And the, the health care dollar fairy is going to come out and just, you know, drop cash into the system. Well, no, it, it has to come from somewhere. And like I say, the states that have considered doing this have all backed off because once they found out how, how much they would have to tax their citizens – um, in, in order to do this, they recognize that there would just be this revolt. So, I mean, that's the question. You hear single payer. You think it sounds great. All, all I ask you is just just ask these questions. How much is it going to cost me? And I think as a general rule, you will be stunned by how much more you are going to have to pay for in health insurance and what limitations am I going to have? And I think also you will be stunned by the limitations on how long you have to wait and what sort of coverage you can get and what doctors you can see. And do we really need to do that, or should we figure out to come up with a better way to deal with, like I say, the 13 million people who are now on the Obamacare system that admittedly is not working? Do you need to blow up a system that I think largely still does work for 150 million people to deal with the people who aren't covered by their employers. It's 11:45. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. And I'm sorry, we have full phone lines. I guarantee you, we will revisit this. My prediction is now. Mark the tape. Here in 2017, September of 2017, single payer is going to be a dominant issue in the next year off your elections. It's going to be a dominant issue in the presidential race um, as we try to figure out, you know, how. How People Get Health Care. It's uh, 1146. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1149. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Packers coach Mike McCarthy is offering his first words ahead of Sunday night's clash in Atlanta and a rematch with the Falcons. What did he have to say? Check out the coach's comments in the Packers flagship podcast on WTMJ Mobile. During the break, I was talking to my producer, now Scott Warris, who you hear during Scafidi and Bill Stat, part of his Great Scott feature. And we're having an interesting conversation because it, it's it's amazing how Obamacare has kind of moved the, the ball when it's come to health care. Um, Ten or 15 years ago, I don't think we would have all accepted the premise that, that health care in health insurance is is an entitlement. It is a basic right. So now we, we've not only accepted the premise that health care for all is an entitlement, but but now that that mentality and you sort of started seeing it play out in a couple calls we've gotten and some of the emails I get it, it's that it's it's not only is health care for all health care for all is an entitlement everybody has a right to that but we also have a right to the same health care so the idea that you know if you gee Jeff you know you work for an employer that has a good health insurance program and you have your options of you know your your network you know you can pick 
you can pick, you know, as you've got a lot of providers in your network, and you've got the choice between, you know, three of the different health care providers. So you can choose whichever one you want. Well, all right, somebody who's under the Obamacare system, you might only have the opportunity to pick one uh, you know, so you you can only pick Aurora, not to knock Aurora. But, you know, if you're under the Obamacare coverage, you've got to be in the Aurora system. Uh, meanwhile, if you're under yours, you've got Freighter, or you've got Aurora, or you've got Ascension. That we, We've now moved the football. And now the idea is that it, it's not just people have an entitlement to health insurance, but we all have, but there's an entitlement to the same insurance options. You shouldn't be able to have more choices than, you know, somebody else does. And that's... That's a major, major shift um, from where we were 15 or, or 20 years ago. The idea that, well, it, not only does everybody have to have it, but everybody has to have the same. All I can say is be really careful with what you wish for, because if, if everybody has the same, what that means is that the standards for some people might be upgraded slightly, but the standards and the availability of coverage and things for a lot of other people are going to be a lot less. You know, I was going to do this as a as a segment, but um, I, I just I admit I'm worn out by this. Um, before Sunday's Packers game, you had the the predictable protests. You had Michael Bennett, who is the guy who plays for the Seattle Seahawks, who is the lying race baiter the one who makes what I think are the demonstrably false claims about being singled out for by the Las Vegas Police Department and, you know, simply because he was a black man. Michael Bennett, who is, of course, the lying race baiter who plays for Seattle, you know, he stages his protest, and his brother, Martellus Bennett, who's the now going to be the star tight end for the Packers, you know, raises his fist during the national anthem in a show of solidarity. Um, I guess I'm going to... I'm actually cutting Martellus Bennett a little bit of slack because um, I love my brother more than life itself. And so I, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, th- there's that, that relationship that, you know, you, you want to you wanna stand by and you want to support, you know, somebody that you care about, and your family. So, I mean, I, I get all that. So I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack. But I was going to do another topic today about th- these ongoing protests. And, you know, the, the fact is I'm just worn out by it. I'm now at the point where it is so completely and totally, in my opinion, jumped the shark. I think most people look at this stuff and just shake their head and say, here you have these entitled, overpaid professional athletes who decide that they don't want to kneel during the national anthem. Oh, my goodness gracious. Here's the problem the NFL has with this, though. Ratings continue to be in a decline. That's the problem they have, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, a lot of different reasons. I, You will never convince me that the, these protests aren't part of it. Does that stop people from watching the Packers game if you're a Packers fan? Of course not. But I, I think some of these protests turn off the casual fans. You know, the people that are saying, okay, it's it's Monday night. I really don't care about the game between uh, Denver and San Diego. But, okay, there's these people that are sitting there kneeling. You know, to heck with them. I'm going to watch Pawn Stars or whatever. I think that that is a factor that's there. I admit, though, I'm just kind of worn out about this. And candidly, I think I'm at the point where maybe the answer is just to um, the answer is for the NFL to tell these people, hey, you're in uniform, you're on the sidelines, get your butt off the bench, uh, don't take a knee, stand up during the national anthem or else.